four brothers ride into battle. Man, we're nerds. Gluten-free gladiator Andrew. Caroline. Todd the Brain Willard. What you doing? Dave the Family Man Shook. Crash and Burn. Preston, Paul Sign, Apollo, piloting the Light Mech Commando. Atomic Power. Feel like we've grown as a podcast? It's a science experiment. So bad, it's good. I thought you were ranting and I zoned out. My bad. The most professional podcast on the internet. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Shazam! And welcome back to another discerning episode with the Discerning Geeks Portal. I'm here with my superpowered brothers, David, Todd, and Preston, and we're here to give you lightning from our hands. Shazam! Yeah, Shazam. <laughs> Great for oh, being superhero. I collect all superhero memorabilia. I currently have uh, Poison Ivy's compost, uh, Catwoman's <laughs> kitty litter, and Harley Quinn's uh, degree. At least that's what the guy said it was when he sold it to me in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, if you can't tell already, the movie we're reviewing today is obviously Batman Begins. And, no, I'm just kidding. We're reviewing Shazam. So, Todd, do you have a rundown for us? Yes, I do. Nice. Yes, we are reviewing Shazam! And you have to say it like that because it does officially have an exclamation point. Despite being a troublemaker in his previous foster homes and stealing both a car and a lunch from a cop, orphan Billy Batson is deemed pure of heart by an aging wizard. The wizard bestows on Billy an alternate adult body and powers of ancient Greek gods. When a former reject of these powers grows up to become a villain seeking dark power from seven deadly sins, Billy must defeat the villain and the sins as the next Shazam! Starring uh, Zachary Levi as the immature and hyperactive superhero Shazam. Uh, Zachary Levi was star of the spy-fi TV show Chuck, which ran on NBC for five seasons. Uh, Zachary Levi is also one of the better guests to have ever come to Dragon Con in the last few years, and he's done a really good job doing a few panels all by himself. And sometimes he's had some co-stars there along with him, but if it's just him, it, it's still a great panel. The movie is also starring Asher Angel as Billy Batson, Shazam's more brooding teenage alter ego. Mark Strong as Dr. Thaddeus Sivana, the villain. Jaiman Hansu as the former Shazam. Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddie Freeman, the sidekick and foster brother. Faith Herman, Grace Fulton, Ian Chin, and Jovan Armand, maybe Hovon Armand, as Darla, Mary, Eugene, and Pedro, Billy's other foster siblings. And Ma- Marta Milans and Cooper Andrews as Rose and Victor Vasquez, Billy's foster parents. Shazam! was released on April 5th, 2019 with a rating of PG-13. It was written by Henry Gayden and directed by David F. Sandberg. And where can you find it right now? It is on Amazon Prime, Max, DirecTV, and the subscription sites for TNT, TBS, and True TV. Awesome. Thank you, Todd. So uh, I just want to correct one thing, and that is he was not deemed pure of heart. The wizard was desperate, and Billy was the only one there. Billy just happened oh, to get lucky. Okay. And that was brought up in the second movie as well, I believe. And the oh, wizard okay. is kind of just dogging on Billy the whole movie. And he was like, hey, you were all I had. And you didn't really do that good of a job. And 
I wish I never chose you. And it really hurt Billy's feelings. Oh, wow, that's harsh. Yeah, but on a much less harsh note, let's go into some positives with an Arnold saying, let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness, we have a soundboard now. So, Whoa. does anybody want to start with some positives? <laughs> Todd, I feel like you should go first since in, oh. in last episode was... We, we didn't let you get through all of your stuff. So please go ahead. Okay. And just to clarify, you, you're saying positive. So we're skipping first impressions. Yeah. Let's just go straight to positives. Okay. Darla. Darla is a star of the show. Darla is adorable. She's just great. Uh, I, I love how uh, supportive she is of her, of her foster siblings and how she's kind of the, the heart of the group. And I love it that when they uh, went through that strip club, I'm trying to remember, I think it was because of the way they got teleported out of the wizard's lair or something. That's how, that's where they ended up or something like that. (laughs) And the others are kind of worried about what she may have seen while she was in there. And she just wants to get the glitter. (laughs) So Darla is adorable. That that's my first positive. That's a good one. Darla is adorable. She's very innocent. And she's always support. I thought it was funny when she turned into an adult, but she kept talking the same way. The other actress yeah. did a very good job with that. You could tell it was Darla. One yeah. issue that I ended up having is that some of the adult actors, specifically the main one, while they did a good job acting, sometimes it wasn't very convincing that they were the same person. Oh, okay. But we can talk more about that later. Yeah, and I'll help support your argument there. Yeah. When we do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, Dave, what's your first positive? Positives. It's not Batman and it's not Superman. Uh oh. (laughs) Oh, that's Uh all you got? (laughs) (laughs) We're not not doing the great with the positives so far. When we start off with a support character and and what the movie is not. (laughs) We're really shaving around the outsides of this. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Next. (laughs) All right. Well, Dave, could you explain that a little bit more? Uh, because I'm not sure what you mean by it's not this, it's not that. So, I mean, are are you being sarcastic or are you saying that really is a good thing that we're getting variety? No, I mean, in a way, it really is a good thing. I mean, and I don't want to do make this a, an episode about the negatives of the DCU, but I mean, it's, it's not, you know, Hey, we have dark and brooding Batman on the screen 24 seven, making us feel like crap. And it's not, Superman just blowing stuff up and not even caring about anything in the world. There was actually a character here that was fun to watch on the screen. So, yeah, I mean, it's a positive. It's not Batman. It's not Superman. It was something a little different, and it was actually kind of fun to watch at times. Okay. That's fair. At first, it sounded off like you were coming from a negative point of view, but this is definitely way different than anything. In the DCU. Yeah. This is definitely its own original thing. That's one of the things I liked about it so much is that it was the only thing in the DCU that it felt like wasn't trying to be some like edgy, cynical, serious 
kind of movie. It just kind of had fun with what it was. They just kind of had fun with what they with what they had. They just kind of nothing was taken too seriously. It's not the greatest cinematic masterpiece. It's not the greatest superhero movie. It's not as good as, but I see this on the same level as I do with like Guardians of the Galaxy. It just kind of has fun with itself, you know? Okay. All right. Preston. What you got? Frederick Freddie Freeman is a guy that I have to support. <laughs> uh, as, as a fellow disabled individual, even though the actor is not disabled at all, the character is... There were there were so many moments in there where it was like, yeah, I would probably do that. Like, you you give me super speed and the ability to run all over, I'd probably run up to the top of the mountain real quick and then come back and handle whatever it is I was supposed to be doing. Freddie's great. He, he's the emotional center of this movie. Um, they they couldn't really do like a. You found the power. Now, here's the guy that used to have the power, and he's going to guide you. They, they kind of use Freddy for that role, and I appreciate them for doing that. I liked Freddy. Not for the exact same reason, but I thought Freddy was a very cool... They depicted a comic book or, like, a superhero fan very well in Freddy, I think. I, I think it, it was a little bit deeper than just the, the, the comic book fan. I, I think it was really kind of show or at least attempting to show uh, someone who is without even even the 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 starting set of abilities that most people get how they would kind of view people with those abilities and i believe he makes a big deal about the batarang and makes some of the similar points all batman fans do where he says you know the, the rest of the Justice League are like gods and goddesses. Batman, Batman is just a dude. That scene really spoke to me because that that's sort of the same way that I viewed it as a kid. I kind of saw a bit of myself in there. I, I remember, especially when I was uh, a little bit younger, me and my dad would go to like comic book stores. Like uh, every Friday he would pick me up from school and then we would go to a comic book store. And we would just, he would just talk to me about like all the, all the issues and like why they're important and all the key issues and like all the first appearances and the variants and the comic book artists. And it was, it was always like really cool. And it's cool to see how those things like tie into the movies. I, I definitely think that they portrayed very, Freddie very well as like a fan. It's not like, because usually they get depicted as, you know, just like this crazy, like diehard fan that like passes out when they, and he did pass out, but like, that's just like overly obsessed with superheroes, but like seeing him collect Superman's bullet and Batman's battering, like that's, that's stuff that like, I feel like I could connect to as a fan Yeah, yeah. who owns collectibles. I, I just uh, thought it was really cool. I have a Batman multi-tool on my keychain. <laughs> it has a bottle opener, two screwdrivers, and I think it's weighty enough to where I could defend myself should the need arise. <laughs> oh, but besides Freddie and Darla, the other siblings don't even exist. <laughs> well, I mean, most of the siblings are just, you know, punchlines. Yeah. Like, you got you got the big guy... And like his whole thing is he's really sweet, even though he's like ridiculously strong. 
And I, I think they do give him like the scene where he starts reciting poetry just to complete the, uh, the uh, archetype. Um, yeah. I, but I think you're right. I think they probably could have done a little bit more with them. Um, yeah. Maybe develop them a little bit more. And who knows, maybe they do that in the second movie. I, I still haven't seen that yet. I think uh, it's, I think it's, I think it was a daunting task to have six kids and try to develop all of them. I think that they made the right choice by sticking with Freddie and a little bit of Mary and a little bit of Darla and then a little bit of the other ones. And I felt like mainly focusing on one and then having it like trickle down to the rest of them was the best course of action because there's no way you can give characterization to all of them the way that they deserve. That's fair. I, I feel like this was a uh, TV show that became a movie. You know, there, there's so much depth to all these characters. There's so much story, and they successfully crammed it into two hours. Let's let's not let's not take away the the ability of of the writers here to cram um, one whole season of a TV show in two hours. Bravo there, but it, it, it is a, a TV show that was crammed in two hours, and I feel like we did lose a few things here and there. That's just me. Yeah, and, and trying to keep this on the positive side, because I'll be honest, I really don't have a lot in my notes overall, and very little of it is, is good stuff. i got a few nitpicks and stuff. Uh, but I don't have a lot of things in the good stuff category that I wrote down. But a, as you guys were talking, I'll have to support you guys in saying that you know the, the family aspect of this movie is one of the positives. Uh, you know, showing the foster family and how – it sounds like Billy has been to some bad foster homes, either that, or maybe he's just been the bad kid at other foster homes. And it's nice to see that this is a foster home where even with it having quite a lot of kids, the parents are actually pretty cool. The kids themselves are pretty cool. And he's actually fitting in maybe not at first, but by the end of the movie. And so it's nice to see the, the family aspect kind of come around. Uh, in fact, the movie has a really nice ending with the family coming together and I actually feel like the best part of the movie is in the last 15 minutes when the other kids turn into Shazam's too. So, yeah, I, I would say that the, the family aspect is probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, I think I want to build on that as well, because for me, the DC universe, I mean, let's face it, it's all about the, the orphans, Superman, Batman, <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> Aquaman's mom's still alive, but she's pretty much abandoned him. He's pretty much, you know, I mean, I mean, that's, that's their thing, but there's a reason, you know, and the reason is that, you know, you want to capture that child who is the most vulnerable and empower them. And what better way to empower them than to actually empower them with, you know, in this case, the powers of the gods, you know, hey, I can shoot lightning out of my hands. I can fly. I've got strength. I've got, you know, speed. I've got all of this. To me, this is one of the best recent comic book adaptations at really capturing that, at really capturing that development of a orphan child figuring out the world and and moving into a position of a superhero. And I kind of reiterate again, it's not Batman, it's not Superman. I feel like Shazam did it much better than most of the movies that you know of those other characters at this point. So 
I, I do give it bravo and props and, and I'm with Todd. I think a lot of the family aspects is, is the best parts of this movie. So it's kind of interesting. And, and there's a dichotomy there with the, the, the evil mastermind that he's, you know, fighting against. Um, when you actually look at it, you know, the, the, his bad guy, his nemesis actually had a family and had a, a father and a brother and, and, but because of the family issues, it, it corrupted him more than the person who was without a family. And usually in our society, we see it the other way. Um, and so that's why that was a, it was a pretty cool little flip that they did there. And, and so I'll give, I'll give props for that. Yeah, I, I, I can see that very much so. One thing I really liked about this movie you could also argue that the villain was an orphan, in a sense, because his father didn't love him. There was no mom shown. guess you got a battle of the orphans, basically. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> it, it, and, it, and it's kind of not even... It, it's the fact that you can be in a home and be just as orphaned as if you were outside of a home. Yeah. Um, kind of a little bit about my background, just for the listeners who may not know. My wife and I are actually licensed foster parents we've adopted um one son and are getting ready to go through the relicensing to be able to take more children in our home so um we have to go through a lot of training and in, in being able to help in any way shape or form children who come through the foster system to be able to adapt into a home and it's not easy I would say, you know, don't get your influence for, you know, fostering or anything like that from the movie, like a Shazam, uh, <laughs> because it's, it's just not a, I mean, it, it's just a, a cartoon, you know, mimic, you know, it's nothing like what it would be normally. I mean, except for sometimes the, you do have a child that'll want to run away that, you know, they're a resistant to that family, you know, but uh, I would say, you know, just as a as a plug, if it's something that you've ever thought about, uh, pick up the movie Instant Family. Um, it will definitely give you more of a clearer picture of what that looks like. And um, yeah, maybe at the end of this, I'll give you I'll get some plugs for some places you can go to get information on foster care, um, and that way you can look into it because it's a huge epidemic right now in our country. Um, there are actual foster children who are having to sleep in jails because they don't have homes to put them in or places for them to stay. Some are having to stay in hospitals, so they're putting them in hospital beds for sometimes weeks at a time just because there are not enough families to match up with these children that need a home. You know, Billy gets a good family here, um, and it is kind of cool to see the other siblings uh yeah, you know, but again, it's it's a very cartoonish uh, example of what that looks like, uh, but it's fun at times too. So, the, the more we keep talking about the positive messages in the movie, the more I feel bad for the nitpicks I'm going to have later and for the score I'm going to give it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a piece of crap, aren't I? You really are pathetic. Why are you like this? Because you're an evil bastard with no conscience and no heart. An empty vessel whose heart has been stolen away. <laughs> no, no, Todd, listen. If a movie is bad, it needs to be told it's bad. You know, There's no part of, of, of sugar or, you know, 
positive, uplifting thoughts should deter you from saying, yeah, but this doesn't work. There is part of me that's like, can I predict Todd's rank on this one? Because I think he's given the exact same rank for like the last five movies. <laughs> it, it, it will be different this time. Oh, okay, good. Woo, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, and I, Dave, you talked a little bit about the villain. I do have a question about the villain that I don't know mm-hmm. where it should go. I Because it might kind of go in the negatives because part of the reason I'm asking is because I might feel a little bit on the negative side. So maybe I need to save it for later, but maybe it can go in between. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Andrew's kind of running this thing, so uh, I'll let him decide. You, you can talk about whatever at. you want to talk about. It's okay. Okay. So I'm wondering how good or bad is the villain in this? And I don't mean – well, in a way, I do mean how good or bad is it as far as him being evil because since we are talking about this movie having so many positive messages i almost wonder if this villain in this movie is almost too evil because yes obviously there needs to be a bad guy for a good guy to fight don't get me wrong i'm not being naive I, i know it's there has to be a villain and a villain has to be bad but this villain literally threw his own brother out a window and fed his father to, I, I guess you might call it a demon type creature. And he kills innocent people and he's threatening, uh, you know, orphans and foster family. And I, I, I don't know. I almost wonder, is this guy almost too evil for this kind of movie? It, it, it's almost like. Uh, Shazam just needs to fight gang members or thugs or something at first or a mob boss or something. But to to fight this guy, I I don't know. It, it There's something about how evil this villain was that just seemed out of place in the movie. But there again, Dave, like you've often said, movies need to have a good villain and there needs to be a clear distinction between good and evil. Well, this guy you know, was definitely on the, on the, the bad side of evil. So uh, I don't know, did he go too far or was it enough? Or is that exactly what we need out of the villain, even in a movie like this? Interesting question. Again, here's where I bring up the, the, uh, the Iron Man theory. This is Iron Man again. Uh, I say that to say that in the first Iron Man movie, Iron Monger was the direct opposite of Tony. Uh, Tony could do it himself. Tony, you know, understood when something was bad and it needed to change, even though it was going to cost him money. And Tony was willing to help people and not make them pay for the privilege of being helped. Ironmonger was the exact opposite. He couldn't do it by himself. He wanted everyone to pay for more war weapons because that made him a boatload of cash. And he wanted control of the company so that he could force Everyone to use Stark industry tech, no matter if you were good, bad, whatever. Yeah. All comes from Ironmonger. So this villain, in a sense, is the exact opposite of where Shazam is at the end of the movie. Shazam has a good family. This villain does not. Shazam understands the value of family. And even though he is tempted to abandon Freddy, or I, I believe they get close to fighting and he might you know, throw him out the window. He does not. So again, it, it, it's more of just this. This is the bad guy you could be, were it not for you being in a, a good situation and 
understanding the value of humanity and having empathy for your fellow man. Yeah, I guess my problem is that when you have Shazam, who is this kid, and therefore a little bit more innocent than maybe some superheroes, and he's supposed to embody all these positive values, and then we talk about all the family values that are in this movie, and then you think that a lot of comic book movies are sometimes seen by kids, and then we're just seeing this this evil guy do this much evil. Like in, in some of the Marvel Cinematic movies, yeah, you know, the villains in those, they obviously do bad things, but it's just kind of sanitized a little bit. And here it's not, it doesn't seem sanitized. And that's, that's the aspect that I felt like might've been a, a, a little bit out of place, but, um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I will definitely say that he was definitely an extreme psychopath, a killer off the hook, bad guy. And yes, we don't see those, very often, even in the, the comic books, usually we're seeing villains who, you know, while they have all these powers and things, they, they're very calculated or whatever, but they're not complete psychopaths where they're just killing for the sake of killing. Yeah. Um, and that's what he kind of comes across as. Now, I would throw out there and just kind of ask the question, was our villain completely created by the wizard who was supposed to be kind of the hero before Shazam. He was Shazam before he came, became before Shazam came, became Shazam. Wow. That's a lot of Shazams. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the kid shows up, the wizards there and what sets that person on their complete evil trajectory and makes them a psychopath was being looked straight in the eyes as a kid and told you will never be worthy in a way. It, it's a, to me, a something that we have to be worried about and weary of to this day. The people that go into schools and shoot them up are people who were told as a kid repeatedly, you're not worthy. That's yeah. what makes these psychopaths. So it's kind of an interesting take that they that's what's made this guy a villain. In my mind, that's you know, the 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 wizard looked at him and said, you will never be worthy. So he's like, well, if I'm never going to be worthy, then I might as well be the opposite. And that is exactly what most kids do. And it is actually, again, kind of going back to this, the take on the foster care, that is the actual feelings that most kids have when they're in the foster care system. They have that feeling that they're never going to be worthy. They're not worthy to be with their parents. They're not worthy to be put in another home and loved by someone else. And it's that feeling that sets them in a trajectory that sometimes can be very destructive in their own lives. It gets them addicted to drugs. It gets them addicted to other things. It leads them to destructive behaviors at times, you know, not all. And that's why a lot of, you know, trainings are given to, to try to, con to uh, combat that. But I do feel like he's a very, very dark villain. And like I said, he's a psychopath, but... I was just curious if you guys picked up on the the fact that he was, in my mind, created by the good guy. I don't know if it totally sunk in, but I, as soon as you brought it up, I, I definitely agree with you. And yeah, I think the wizard, the wizard does not do a very good job doing what he's doing. And I don't know whether that can be blamed on on him just being old and, and not being very powerful or very smart anymore, or if maybe he was not that great at his job. Uh, of being the, the former Shazam, I'm not sure. But 
we're given a little bit of a hint that the villain's family might not be that great either. And so it's possible that he would have had issues no matter what. But the wizard definitely didn't help things. So, yeah, I would say he shares some responsibility in the villain becoming who he was. There again, in real life, people can go different ways, even through adversity. <laughs> Sorry, here comes the obligatory Babylon 5 reference. Uh, <laughs> awesome. You, you thought awesome. you might avoid this time, but no, I, I think of something else. J. Michael Straczynski, the creator of Babylon 5, he wrote an autobiography describing just how terrible his childhood was, mostly because of his dad, but his mom wasn't great either. The rest of the family had its issues, and he could have grown up to be a horrible human being, but... He didn't. And he might have his own issues, too. But for the most part, he's he's a pretty good guy. So I guess it varies. Yes, there are situations where kids can turn out bad because their home life is bad. But there are kids who might go the opposite direction and say, because my home life is bad, I'm going to do everything in my power to make my life better and maybe even make other people's lives better because I don't want this to happen. And so sometimes it just depends on the person. Uh, it, it, it's kind of a combination. Yes, it's part of their environment, but it's also part them. Uh, so this guy, who knows, maybe he was always meant to be a villain and it wouldn't matter whether it's the villain, his family, somebody else, or a combination thereof. Maybe something was just bound to trip this guy up. I, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but maybe he truly wasn't worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Todd's got this guy pegged. I delve, I delve deep into like, psychology sometimes i i would clearly say that i am not a licensed psychologist i am not licensed to give any kind of medical opinion or diagnosis all of this is just armchair psychology not not unlike the that you might find of any uh anyone that took a uh, sophomore psychology class in college and comes out and thinks they know everything. The diagnosis of a psychopath is very, very rare. Psychopaths have no real feeling towards right or wrong. It's all just a mask. Sociopaths are the ones that think that they're right all the time, always. And there are a lot of things that can trigger sociopathic behavior. Uh, most of the time, it's usually from from privilege and, you know, some kind of chemical imbalance. Again, I am an armchair psychologist. I do not know what chemical, please do not ask. Uh, but I, I know that it is very clearly a chemical imbalance and a response to trauma. So maybe our, our villain had that chemical imbalance and this response to being shut down from being a superhero is what triggered his uh, sociopath ick tendencies. Also, I, I want to make it clear that as a Batman fan, I have to tell you the Joker is a, is a psychopath and that he is the darkest villain in, in DC comics. Yeah. Be, being in, being in the DC universe does not shield you from dealing with the darkest part of society. But even the Joker in, in some stories, even he wasn't bad at first. Like he became that way because of certain circumstances. In the in the Killing Joke, it was actually Batman who made the Joker the way he is. That's the thing, though. He he says it himself in the Killing Joke. 
Sometimes it's choice A, sometimes it's choice B. If you have to have a pass, why wouldn't you want it to be multiple choice? So who knows if that's really what happened yeah. or just what he was telling Batman or telling Commissioner Gordon. It was Gordon he was telling. Well, there's a quote, and I don't remember where it was from, but it was from something I was watching not too long ago. But sadly, no evil person throughout history felt like they were evil when they were doing their thing. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they were all justified in their own mind. Yeah, Hitler, Hitler was justified in his own mind. Stalin was justified in his own mind. You know, it didn't matter how many people they killed or why they were doing it. In their mind, it was the right thing to do. So, you know, that's that's kind of. But we got way off topic with 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 that. I kind of want to piggyback a little bit on what Todd was saying, and one of the and kind of roll into a little bit of a negative, if if that's okay. Is that okay, Andrew? I kind of won't take us that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. One of the negatives that I did have about this movie is, in some ways, I felt like it was more of a origin story for the bad guy than it even was for Shazam. I mean, he's the first character we see. We see his interactions and him becoming evil before we see anything with Shazam and him becoming good. And and to me, it kind of took away from the story a little bit. And y'all know me, I love a good bad guy, and I think it's important in these hero movies to have a good bad guy, but I wasn't super excited about all the backstory that we got for the bad guy. It did, yeah, I could have done with less. And it's partly a pacing issue, um, and, and that's kind of one of the, the issues that I have with the movie. I, it took me about three days to rewatch this movie because I kept falling asleep during the first hour because it's like, just get to something already. And then I'd have to like go back and like, okay, now where was I? Let me rewatch it. And then I get to like the last like 30 minutes or 45 minutes in the movie and it's great. <laughs> so, so kind of negative positive, but you know, for a two hour movie, you know, the last 45 minutes is really good. You just have to stay awake for the first hour and some to get there. Oh, wow. We might actually be on the same wavelength this week. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, because I, I have a, a similar issue and I kind of hate boiling down a, a major issue with a movie to just say it's boring. But there's something about this movie. It's not super compelling, even when it's supposed to be fun. I just uh, I don't know. It it is a little bit slow and boring. And I can't help it. And Dave, you're right. It's the finale of the movie where it's like, oh, it's picking back up. I felt that way the first time. I felt that way the second time. It's like the movie almost comes alive near the end. And I'm like, where's this been the whole time? So I'm glad I'm not by myself on that this week, but I also don't know if I can articulate it very well either. Sometimes something really is just boring. <laughs> and maybe not super boring, but just boring enough to where it's not stellar either. Right. I could see the point there where some of the, the pacing can get pretty slow, but seeing Shazam and Freddy just fooling around is priceless because if i got superpowers tomorrow i would take my best friend and i would go do the exact same stuff that they're doing yeah exactly that's, that's awesome. the point <laughs> if andrew got superpowers tomorrow he would definitely try to be like a youtuber or an instagram star <laughs> he, he would be on instagram live bench pressing cars yeah you know 
or, or, I'd, I'd or be making lightnings with lightning with my hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'd be I'd be singing in the streets and and trying yeah, to get man. money from people and, and like walking in to the gas station and like trying to buy a beer and like just stuff like that. Just stupid stuff. You could almost pull that off now as big as you are, but let's not <laughs> test that theory, please. Hey, I got the facial hair coming in now. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, no. See, I feel like juice is really different these days. <laughs> there, was, there was part of me after watching this that felt like I really need to, to apologize to some people because we had a debate over some of the, the previous movies like Young Frankenstein. And it's like, you know, some people felt like it wasn't funny. And mm-hmm, right. they could kind of see that there were attempts at humor. And, and for like, majority of this movie i felt that way like i was kind of like okay i can see they're trying to be funny but it's it's, it's okay there were a couple of moments where i was like oh yeah that really was funny and that was about it so i mean that's just me i felt like i needed it because i was like man i i must either be missing this this humor or i don't know Again, it was more boring to me than, than humorous at times. So, clearly, you are just getting old, and it's not written. I am. <laughs> the The movie's not written for you anymore. It's written for Andrew. A little bit for me. It I is. I, I literally watched this movie. Uh, it was. Oh, I forget what it was, but me and my dad went to watch. Shazam. I was in like middle school when this came out. I was in like seventh, sixth grade, something like that. And this movie had come out. It was in theaters and me and my dad, we went to go watch it. And it was just so much fun the whole time. And it was just, that's when this movie captured my heart. It's just as like a middle schooler watching this movie with my dad in theaters. And, and then we went to a couple of comic book stores after and we just hung out we just had a good day and you can tell this movie was meant to appeal to a younger demographic and that's fun yeah yeah maybe so maybe so and and i know we're kind of bouncing back and forth between good stuff and bad stuff but uh i didn't have this in my notes but one of you made a really good point that they do a pretty good job of, uh, of saying, okay, if the, if he is going to get superpowers and the other guy is kind of obsessed with superheroes, they're going to do all these tests. And I really should have written that down as a good stuff thing because that was pretty good that they were like, okay, let's see if you can do this. Let's see if you can do that. Let's keep track. Okay. You're, you're, you're not, uh, you don't have this superpower, but you do have this one. It was good to kind of test that out and figure out, okay, what can he do and what shouldn't he try in the future? Uh, maybe some of that stuff is kind of dangerous because if there are certain superpowers he doesn't have, he possibly could have killed himself trying some things. But, you know, I guess they, they got to find out one way or another. So that, that was a good process. That was a, a quality maneuver in the story of uh, doing the whole test out thing. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, the, the, the scene where they're just walking along charging people's phones. And then one of them blows up. That's great. <laughs> but but if we are leaning a little bit into the bad stuff now, um, I actually moved some of my nitpicks to the uh, lightning round, just so I'll have something for that. But as far as one of the, the smaller nitpicks, when they were going through that whole process, but then they needed to end it and they needed to get him back into normal kid mode, 
why were they both dumb enough to not just try saying Shazam again? I mean, that's what he said to turn into the adult. So why didn't he just think, well, maybe if we just say the same word again, it'll turn me back. And it seemed like it took him quite a while to figure that out. I'm like, wouldn't that be the first thing you would try? Or, or maybe not the first thing, but like one of the first five to 10 things. And, and they were trying all kinds of other stuff. And uh, I, I don't know that that was a, like a little, little nitpick I had. And then I've got uh, one kind of fundamental problem uh, that Andrew has kind of already mentioned, but I'll, I'll mention that later. Why didn't they try to say it backwards? Mazash! With well, a question mark at the end. Okay, actually, yeah, that could be a Mazash? Yeah. I mean, it, it would be a terabang. Whoa. A what? New word. A terabang. A terabang is a, a question mark and exclamation point together. Um, it is often debated as to which comes first. But according to the uh, writing staff of The Simpsons, it's called a Terra Bang, not a Bang and Terra. Oh, okay. All right. Whoa. I just learned so much stuff in so little time. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought now. All I'm thinking about is question marks and exclamation points. <laughs> well, then, while, while, while your brain is resetting... How did everyone enjoy the use of music in this? This was one of those many movies where I didn't notice. I think I've explained before that sometimes certain things like music, I don't really notice unless it's really good or troublesome. Like I won't say really bad. Rarely is it really bad, but like there has to be something noticeable in the extreme. And this was like right down the middle. So I just didn't pay attention. You're not coming away from Shazam. Like, like you're coming away from like a, the one of the Batman movies where the the theme is is right. very important, yeah. Or or Superman. Um, but you know the some of the use of some of the licensed stuff I thought was pretty neat. Yeah, I thought so too. Like, Don't stop you, me now. You, I think it's it's always neat to see that I, I've come so far in my life as to the point where the guy that used to be one of the most dangerous people in music is now on the kid-friendly superhero soundtrack. <laughs> so that, that, that was neat. We should review yeah. 8 Mile. I, I, I think that would just be a me and you thing. Well, then let's make it a me and you thing. All right. Yeah, yeah, if you want to. That'd be cool. That's going in the books. I, I thought the music stuff was cool. I thought it was catchy. I thought it was fun. Again, nothing to like, you know, be like worshiping this movie for the next 20 years over. But like it was it was fun. The same way that Guardians music is fun, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, in in a way, I would say Guardians they hit the nail on the head with their soundtrack and this comes close. It doesn't quite doesn't quite hit the same because it's not like like in, in Guardians um, they use you know music from the seventies music from the eighties but but music from the seventies and eighties has had a long enough time to where all of these one hit wonders that are like massive gems have become like staples of the of the culture. So, you know, time has withered away all of the crap, and now it's just the diamonds that are left. 
I don't know that we're there with the 90s yet. We're almost there, but we're not quite there yet. I think that there is a decent argument to be made that Shazam is the like, second grade Guardians of the Galaxies of the DC Cinematic Universe. You've I got think that's fair. you've got the the soundtrack first of all. You've got the man child as the main character. You've got the the very basic no like almost no personality super evil mm, bad guy. You've got the sense of family. You've got the sense of orphan orphanhood. You've got the you've got all those correlating factors. Uh, I think the more I think about it the more I think that this movie is just kind of like a second grade Guardians knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know if that makes me like it more or less. And, and I'm sure Todd has just added three more uh, uh, dislikes to, to that because he, he's not a particular fan of Guardians. At least not the, the later movies. I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but I enjoyed watching the writing of Batman versus Superman take place in the movie. I mean, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. There's a scene with a little, like, six-year-old kid who has, like, a Batman doll and a Superman doll and just starts banging them together. I was like, look, they wrote Batman versus (laughs) Superman in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole Um, plot. (laughs) Sorry. I I really do hate that they... The DC fumbled that ball so hard, yeah. they can they can never do it again. Yeah, that's they'll, bad. they'll never be able to to pit Batman and Superman against each other again. Which is, uh, I hate it because the Dark Knight um, comic is a quintessential Batman story, and it, it doesn't feel right without the final battle with Superman. So, yeah. Well, well, we're running along, so let me get to my fundamental problem. But at the same time, Andrew actually brought it up first, so maybe I ought to give Andrew a chance to expound on his issue that he said earlier about some of the adult and kid stuff not matching up. Yeah. Um, the main issue is in our two main characters, young Billy Batson and Shazam. Mm-hmm. And young Billy Batson is this cold cynical kind of anti-social yeah broody and just kind of like distant throughout the whole movie then you get shazam who's like basically a man child so you almost have this situation where young billy batson is more mature Mm -hmm. or comes off as such than the adult version of shazam Yep. And and since the powers give him the wisdom of Solomon, but it's always been like a, a normal thing to put Shazam as like a man child to make him super immature. But it feels like the, the coordination wasn't there and that we almost got two separate characters instead of one character. And I just, it just made the whole movie, the whole if it just kind of like fragmented it almost like it just didn't feel right. And it's, it just didn't, just didn't work very well. I didn't hate or despise either one of the depictions. 
I just think that they should have come together on a decision of how Billy Batson should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it felt like that coordination wasn't there. Yeah. But I, I think it's perfect for a teenager. Like that is that is that perfectly sums up my teenage years. There there were some there were some days where I was the most cynical man on planet Earth and I, I, I sat in the dark corner and, and you know, listened to overly complex death metal and I was like, Yes, this is this is adult, this is grown up and then there are other days where I'm, you know, out there you know, making cotton candy and and throwing baseballs at clown statues and having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just, you know, that's just being a teenager to me. Again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking up the shield and defending this movie a bit more than I should be. But uh, I thought it was a, a great dichotomy of what it's like to actually be a teenager. In a superhero movie, no less. Maybe so, and maybe maybe I would need to see it again through through your perspective to see if maybe I was being too harsh. But um, I, when I watched it, I felt the same thing Andrew did, and maybe a little bit more to the point where it's kind of distracting for me, right? Because. Oh. You know, like I said, I've seen Zachary Levi in in real life at Dragon Con, and he is very energetic, very hyper, very positive person, kind of a kid at heart. Like he's he's not that many years older than than Dave and or me, or no, excuse me, not that many years younger than Dave and me. I think he might be in his forties by now, but he's like a kid at heart, and so in a way, he was perfect casting for this. But I can't help but wonder if in some scenes they went too far because instead of acting 15, it's almost like he acts 12 sometimes. Uh, and uh, Andrew, you kind of nailed it sometime too with him kind of being depressed and moody and stuff like that. There are lots of times where he's kind of a loner, like he's trying to do everything alone. He's trying to look for his mom alone. Uh, he's not totally fitting in with his foster family. But then as soon as he becomes Shazam, first thing he does is go for that foster brother, which granted in a way that's smart because a foster brother is an expert on superheroes. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like it, it is a dichotomy. He changed a whole lot when he became that other person. And and maybe you make a good um, argument, Preston, that it's the thing that kind of unleashes him and allows him to feel more comfortable to interact with his foster brother and maybe other people and to try some things. It, it's kind of like uh, the argument that we had in uh, just recently when we did the, the ranking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase One, and there was kind of a dissenting view on uh, on Captain America and how he really didn't change that much. And my argument was, well, he already had the heart, the soul, and the mind, and so he didn't need to change that much that way. But he needed the he needed the body in order to unleash his potential. And maybe that's the same thing here, and maybe that's the perspective I need to take. That when he became Shazam, it allowed him to unlock his potential to actually interact with others, depend on others, and, and be a better person. But I guess I didn't get that the first time around uh, or the second time around. Both times I was like, there's something about these performances that is not lining up. Uh, so that was an issue for me. And just to clarify why it's a nitpick and why it 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 
it's it's almost more than nitpick. It's like a fundamental problem. Is like I said, it's distracting. Whenever I have these nitpicks, sometimes they distract me from getting into the movie and seeing the things like all the lessons we talked about about family and and uh, and you know the the foster unit being an important thing and everything. And it's like sometimes I'm not focusing on that because I'm like. There, there are two characters in this movie. Shazam and Billy Batson aren't the same person, even though they should be. Sometimes I just wish movies were would smooth out these rough edges so that they wouldn't distract me, so it'd be easier to focus on the important stuff. I, th- I think I think that's a hundred percent fair, and I totally appreciate that opinion. And again, is, me defending it wasn't to say that this is perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I was just saying that it, it fit with me because it reminded me of how I was. And yeah. And there you go. No, Todd, Todd is, is 100% right that w- when you when you plunk 200 million into something, it needs to be glass smooth. And there are definitely some rough edges here. Hey, man, 200 million? I'd make a good movie. Guys, if I win the lottery, no business, no nothing. We. We're just gonna make a movie. We're just gonna oh make a movie. Okay. Okay. Nobody can stop us. Can't okay, stop Todd, you're me it. now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I, I think I've moved most of my nitpicks to um, to lightning round, except for one. So, Andrew, wh- where are we at? Do I have time, or or mm. uh, does anybody else have anything? Uh, let's. You can give us your last nitpick, and then we can go right into lightning round, if that's okay with everybody. Unless somebody has something else they want to bring up. Ah, good. All right. Okay, there's one kind of key superhero-type moment uh, where there's a bus that's going over a bridge, and uh, Shazam you know, is there to try to catch it or whatever. And it should be kind of cool, but it's also a moment where... Uh, he and his foster brother are kind of arguing, and so it's kind of a frustrating moment too. And I'm kind of, and I can't remember if Shazam has learned that he can fly yet. Maybe he can't. Maybe that's why he doesn't do what he really ought to do. Uh, but it's one of those moments that I just wish would go smoother. But I, I, I don't think I'm being too nitpicky pointing this out because it actually had not just one but two bullet points in the goofs section of IMDb, uh, the IMDb entry of this movie. And it is when the bus actually falls. Well, actually, first, before the bus falls, it's kind of dangling. And so people at the back of the bus actually fall from the back of the bus to the front of the bus, and the glass starts to break. So it shows that the glass is fragile. You know, this glass is already in the process of breaking. But then the bus actually falls. So Shazam doesn't, like, fly up and try to put it back in place. It falls, and Shazam catches it. But there are two issues there. He catches it by the glass, which means if he were to catch it there with the glass, the glass would just break the rest of the way and he would just end up going inside the bus and the bus would continue to fall uh, to the rest of the uh, fall the rest of the way to the ground. So that's one issue. The other thing is, yes, he catches the bus, but the bus still comes to a sudden stop, which means uh, other people would, you know, fall out of the seats and probably fall down to the glass or, or, or just, you know, have shock from the fall. It's like, it doesn't matter whether he catches it or the ground catches it. The bus is still coming to a sudden stop. So it's like this big key moment of him doing this typical superhero thing is kind of ruined by a total lack of logic in that scene. And, and like I said, I'm not the only person to notice. So, uh, yeah, I think that scene could have been done better somehow. 
normally I'm pretty forgiving on those kind of things. And I'm usually the one kind of debating with Todd, like, oh, really? You know, kind of get over it. But I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, okay, really? <laughs> they would have just, all the people would have just gone through the glass when he caught it. Yeah. He would have gone through the glass. There was, yeah, I was kind of like, that was not really any way to catch a bus. I mean, they're going to hit the same force, him catching it as if they hit the ground. So they would have all died. But I understand what they were trying to do. And it was that comic book moment, you know, made popular by one of the very early Superman. I think there's one of the very first Superman comics shows him like catching a bus or holding a bus, you know, that's just falling off of something. And that's what they were trying to capture, but it was yeah. a little ridiculous. We got to get moving, man. We're already yes. over an hour. Yeah. Yep. Into lightning round. Shazam! Lift off and the clock has started. Lightning round. Pull out your dice and roll for initiative to see who gets spray lightning from their hands first. Where's my dice? Where's my dice? Oh, there's. I got an eight. 18! Ha! I got a 19. Ha ha. <laughs> and I get a 17. So, Dave, me, Todd, and Preston. Uh, no, I'm last. You are? Oh, okay. Okay, so, Dave, you ready? I'm up first, yeah. Okay, and go. If you guys will, I'll save my pitch for foster care until after, just because, you know, it may take a little bit longer than 30 seconds. But I will say this is it's a fun movie. Uh, the kids and the girls enjoyed watching it with me. A uh, little bit of language that really wasn't necessary. So it's almost more of a, I think at that middle school age is about the perfect age for what this was shooting for. And I could see kids enjoying it at that age. But um, I actually got to watch the second one, and I thought the second one was better than the first. So uh, wow. go ahead and watch that one. Yeah, the second one was good, but... Uh, well, you know, now that we have a different opinion about the second one, we're going to have to put it on the list. To the list. Probably. Okay, Andrew, right are you next? alongside 8 Mile, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, and go. This movie is not the most philosophically wise thing, piece of cinema to ever exist. But what it does give us is hands, lightning with my hands, lightning with my hands, lightning with my hands. And I think that is worth more than anything. Time. Just for reference, me and my dad have been saying that to each other for about, when did this movie come out, Todd? 19. Yeah. Yeah. I I almost said five years, but about four years since this movie came out, we've been saying it multiple times a week, every week. It's just a part of our dialect now. Which we didn't mention, but that was actually the time where he actually calls the bus direct. It was him that oh, did yeah. it. Oh, yeah. That was funny. <laughs> to, to cause that him to have to get caught it. it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, all right. Who's next? That would be uh, me. Yep. Okay. You ready? Let's go. And go. So, Billy Batson 
is kind of the the child stand-in of the DC universe. And as the child stand-in, he cracks goofy jokes, he makes mistakes, and at the end of it all, he does save the day. And the movie succeeded in hitting all those checkboxes. So, I thought it was pretty good. All right, and I'm last, so ready and go. Not a great supervillain. The wizard has very flawed recruitment process. Uh, the muscle suit looks fake. Why does Freddy throw his entire lunch away before eating a single bit of it? Why does Mary? Uh, why does doesn't Mary get a moment to shine once she becomes a Shazam? What is her power specialty? Uh, how did the guy outside the conference room not hear what was going on inside the conference room? And I doubt the glass walls and door would be soundproof enough to muffle all the screams and breaking glass that was going on inside. And wow, I still have three seconds left. Uh, two, one. I think Mary's specialty, and this becomes more apparent in the second movie, is that she has the wisdom of Solomon. Oh, really? Because she seems to be the most mature. Yeah. And I guess you could say wise one out of the group. But she still thinks that Maul Santa is Santa. And since there's six siblings, each of them get a specialty. Which, so to kind of piggyback on my 30-second lightning round, um, I mentioned that the second one was better to me. And I think Todd was almost in a similar boat, man, this movie really shines when you finally get all the Shazams mm-hmm. and everybody gets to be it. Um, and then the second movie, that's what it's all about. It's there's all the Shazams and they're kind of, you know, having to fight. Now, some of them lose some of their powers at times and, and, and Shazam still has to end up being the hero in the very end. But it was more about getting to see that group and, and the different other characters and the dynamic, which to me was the best part of the movie. Yeah. Which means, Hey, I got a whole movie of that. That was better than the first one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, which I know that's not a, a widely accepted view, but for me, I enjoyed the second one better than the first one. So. We, before we do our ratings, I just want to throw in there that uh, we value you as our listeners. We'll admit, we're not doing this for you. We kind of do this for ourselves. We enjoy <laughs> doing it. But you are the the icing on the cake. And we're excited that you're there and that you are listening and hope that you enjoy this. And we would ask that if you do that, that you share the the joy let other people know make sure you rate us if you're on a um one of the pod chasers or anything like that that allows you to some will allow you to rate episodes what well, rate an episode if you just want to rate the whole show itunes whatever we'd enjoy that too um if you want to interact with us you can always email us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com you can interact with us on our facebook page the discerning geeks portal podcast or on twitter at nope not twitter anymore x mm. whatever it's twitter we're not, <laughs> we're, no we're not giving elmo the time of day on that one it's twitter. whatever yeah at discerning geeks whatever yeah. that means nowadays and yeah <laughs> um so but yeah the make sure you interact with us we'd love to to have your participation in this podcast we'll probably call you out if you let us know something so now we'll get into the real reason that we're here and the reason that all of you have waited around and that is to get 
our ratings for this movie. Ratings. Well, we're going to go the same order as we did before. So I'll pass it right back to you, Dave, if you want to tell us your rating and why. Okay. So I'm going to rate this a six because that's what I rolled on my D10. Take it back. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, uh, strangely enough, I... That's not far from where I was. I'm, I, I'm gonna give it a seven. It's not. It's not that bad. I, I almost would say have somebody nudge you when you're watching it to wake you up at the good parts, <laughs> um, because there are good parts. There, there's some fun parts in this movie that that are really interesting. Um, but you, you kind of, I don't. It's hard to set an alarm to. So. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you do? Set an alarm for, you know, when I fall asleep, give me about 30 minutes and then wake me up. But yeah, so I give it a seven out of 10. All right. Okay. Andrew. All right. So for me, this movie is a little closer. It hits a little closer to home. I was in middle school when this came out, when it premiered and I went to go watch it with my dad. So it definitely appealed to me when it first came out. And definitely the humor, dude. And I just, to this day, I think it's a neat movie. And it might not hold up as well as it did when I was, like, in seventh grade or whatever. But it still holds up as a good movie. And there's no way I can give this movie a 90 or above. So I'm going to give it an 89. Okay. Because just mainly for personal reasons. I think, me personally, I think it's one of the few DC movies that worked. And if we ever had to rank all the DC Cinematic Universe movies, this would be on top. (laughs) Oh, wow. I do have to give them props. They had a, you know, post-credit scene. It it didn't go anywhere. No, I'm not going to lie. As soon as the post-credit scene was over, I was looking at my kids and going, who do they think they are? The MCU? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what, what was the post-credit scene? It showed the bad guy in like some little small jail cell. And he was trying to carve the symbols on the wall. And then something starts talking to him in the cell. I think it's hmm. supposed to be some other big bad villain. Cause the big, that person says, Oh, you, mortals are all alike you think there's only one way to get magic or something like that but yeah it went absolutely huh. nowhere so it, you know. it became a running joke almost by the second movie <laughs> and they showed another post credit scene with the same thing and well, no, the, like, the one in the second movie is these people come up and ask him ask Shazam if he wants to join the um Oh, shoot. Oh, the Thunderbolts. The, the Justice. Whoa. The Justice Society. And Shazam's like, wait, the just- is that the one with Wonder Woman? I want to be with the one with Wonder Woman. You know, he's wanting to be in Justice League. And they're like, no, this is Justice Society. He goes, uh, he goes oh. you, you guys should really come up with a whole other name. It's kind of confusing to be like <laughs> Oh uh, man, the, the Justice Society being the losers. Yes. Yeah. 
We should we should have gone down that road, DC. We should have gone down that road instead of making them the X Men. Uh, there was another post credit scene though. Oh, was there? I don't yeah, know. Okay. and he was. It's the same guy in the same jail cell, and you should definitely watch it because it's super funny. But the slug basically comes back, and the guy's like, "Where have you been?" It's been years, and the slug is like, "Listen, it takes me a long time to go places." Oh God! <laughs> because he's a slug, <laughs> and it just kind of became a joke. Oh, I think we're up to Preston's rank. All right. So after careful deliberation, consultation, and watching a couple of wrestling matches. Yeah. I've settled on a three-star rating for Shazam. Okay. I, I, All right. I think it, it, it's above average in quality. I, I don't think that they did anything really revolutionary here, but they what they did, they did well. And it, it resonated with me, so three stars. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right, and I'm up last, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe I'm being a little bit harsh with this grade, because I think this time I kind of maybe clued into the whole boredom factor a little bit too much that I talked about that even Dave agreed with me on. But then we started talking more about the, you know, the, the family unit and the lessons about, you know, the, the foster family and uh, some of the positive messages and stuff like that. Uh, Maybe I was a little too harsh. I'm not sure. Anyway, at one time, this was a B minus, and this time it dropped down to a C plus. And maybe I should explore the possibility of bumping it back up to B minus. But at least for now, I've got it at C plus. It's ranked 62nd out of 90 movies that we reviewed so far. Yeah, we're we're in the 90s now as far as how many movies we've reviewed. We've been doing this long enough. Uh, but one thing I, I got curious about is just out of the superhero movies that we've reviewed, where's this rank? We've done 19 superhero movies, and sadly, this is number 18 out of 19. Uh, the So it's right in between Black Widow and Black Adam. <laughs> um, and now if I were to bump it back up to B-, then it might kick Black Widow down maybe a little bit. I don't know. But that's where I'm at. So I guess did I, uh, did I ever get to talk about Black Adam? Because if not, uh, I'll do it right now. <laughs> okay, all right, go ahead. So Black Adam, I don't know where y'all put it. It was not a horrible movie. It's the wrong answer, I'm afraid. No, it, it was, was horrible. It was definitely <laughs> not a great movie. It's, to me, no, but like to me personally, it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen ever. But it it was not anywhere above like a C. I Whoa. I did not hate it. I did not despise it. It sounds like y'all have a lot of negativity towards it, which is fine. I did not hate it. There were parts of it that I liked, and most of them came from Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, the Just Rock. because he's one of my favorite actors. Thank you. I think that, and Black Adam is one of my favorite characters. And most of the parts I liked came from that. Most right. everything else was C or below. So here's here's where we get into Preston is being a giant wrestling nerd. During the Rock's heyday as one of the top draws in pro wrestling, 
I was of the opinion that if you gave The Rock more than five minutes, he was going to bore you to tears. Don't push me. And I still feel this way about his movies. If you give The Rock more than 90 minutes, it's going to be a slog. It doesn't matter what you think! Because The Rock understands how to be the coolest dude in the room. When you're staring at somebody be the coolest dude in the room for two hours. Smoldering intensity. Grates on your nerves. It really does. So, yeah, that that's, that's just me. Two hours of The Rock is not my thing. I know there are more than a million people that would disagree with me. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that if you go and you look at some of the greatest promos The Rock ever cut in pro wrestling... They're all at or under six minutes. Uh, yeah. And, but, you know, as he got more popular, they stuck him out there longer. And so then he would be out there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And, you know, The Rock's smart. He's not going to put any toll on his body. So he's not going to, like, if you watch a Rock match, he, he takes maybe six bumps and does four moves. And that's really all he needs to do. But, you know... It's it's just a little, just a little bit grating, a little bit repetitive for me. If you smell what the rock is cooking, <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> you, you, you take that clip right there. That's it. And that's you all you got. That out over two hours, and that's your average raw in like ninety nine. <laughs> And for a full review of Black Adam, check out our, uh, what number is it? 116. Episode 116 is our full review of Black Adam. Yep. Yep. Your first time joining us. It's kind of what we got, why we got you involved because you watched it with us and we had opinions. So, uh. Uh, yeah, I gave that one a C minus. You're a nothing, a nobody. The problem is, it's just five hours long. But uh, but yeah, for more detail, check out that review and you can hear us com- complain about it the whole time. Sure but we also complain. point out a few redeeming qualities too. If you're, if you're listening to, to, to us, you really need to subscribe to our feed and just listen to the whole catalog. Just set aside a weekend and, and let us blow you to sleep and wake you up in the morning. I should warn them about the subsequent nightmares. <laughs> well, so what are we doing next time? Ooh, who's going to pick the portal? Which mortal will zap the door and choose where we go next? Who hasn't rolled in a while? I feel like I've have, rolled like the last three or four Have you days. ever rolled, Preston? I have, but I can, I can roll again. It's two D10s, right? Yes, please, sir. Yeah, yeah. All right. 94. Ooh, big number. Oh, it's Wonder Woman. And we already rolled that. Okay, let me roll again. 45. Also Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, we're running out of choices. All right. 53. Not Wonder Woman. Uh, Oh, Dave, it's one of yours. Tombstone. Oh, a non-sci-fi fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. But one of the best movies ever. I'll Is be this like Paycheck best movie ever? Or yeah. are, are we actually going <laughs> to be all right here? It's a Western. I don't know how you guys feel about Westerns. Anybody, anybody like any Westerns? Like uh, the back, back to the Future 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh. I, I, I've probably seen one or two other westerns that were okay. Um, I, I think westerns are cool. I just haven't really found one that. Okay. You know. This 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 one will will change your outlook. Val Kilmer as um, Doc Holliday. You get to shoot out at the OK Corral. We get all kinds of fun stuff, and it's, it's oh, this is Tombstone. This, yeah, uh, I, th- I thought Todd said Tim Stone. I was like, what? What? Yeah, no, what? No. Tombstone. Yeah, Tombstone. Yeah, no, this this is great. This is I'll great. be your Huckleberry. Yeah, no, this this is good. This. Um, this is good. I'm curious to see where you guys fall because this is a little different from where we've been in the past. But, but also uh, a complete fantasy. But we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> get there. So yeah. Okay. Cool. That'd be interesting. A little part. Uh, a little little deviation. I forgot we had some of those on the list. Yeah, and we're in the 140s now as far as episode numbers. So don't forget we need to come up with some kind of system for what we're doing next season and kind of redo our list. A new so I, I feel like we can just. We can just take all of all of my picks and just transport them over to next season because I don't think we've hit any of them. Uh, I don't know. I almost want to tease our listeners that we're talking about maybe some special episodes for the holiday, but we got to get them recorded before we do that. So, but yeah. we're almost at the hour and a half mark, so we got to wrap yeah. this up, yeah. guys. Well, it's been fun, guys. Remember, rate us, support us, send us an email. We love all that crap. Tell us. What was your favorite moment in Shazam or why it's good or why it's bad or just just talk to us. We love to hear from you guys. And always remember, do whatever makes you a discerning geek. Yeah, thank you for listening. Salutations. May the force be with you. Always. Shazam! 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 Little post-credit. I'm going to go ahead and throw out there for those of you who are interested in information about the foster care system, especially here in North Carolina, the best agency I can point you to is the one that my wife and I use. It's the number seven homes.org. So that's seven homes.org. You can go to their website. They have informational classes that you can call about and get information. They are also linked with a national program called forever families and they are the if you ever watch regular tv nowadays they still show and highlight foster children on like local news networks so that uh, they can kind of help find these children homes in um, the area and that's a national thing so you can actually look up forever families anywhere on the internet and they'll have a program near you wherever you're at in the u.s so Uh, Just a quick plug there, and then we'll say sayonara.